Lord this morning, saints of God. Can I have a moment of transparency with you? I feel just a little out of place this morning. I feel just, maybe just, anybody ever have that where you just feel like the world's a little bit out of alignment? I'm giving you a good place to shout right now. I won't lie. You ever have a time where the world just feels a little bit out of alignment? Can I have an amen to that? Praise God. Praise God. Uh, the world is just a little bit out of alignment, but the Lord is still good. Can I have an amen on that? Praise God. I wanted to, I was going to make a Facebook declaration. Um, I wanted to clarify something um, that if you see me in the offices and you see me walking out of Pastor Ron's offices, office, I'm not on a power trip and I'm not planning a mutiny, okay? If I understand that, he told me, he said, he said, I, I'm going to invite you to use my office while I'm away. And I sat in that chair this morning and there was just kind of like a different anointing came over me. As I sat in that chair, um, it felt odd. You want to know something about Pastor Ron Bynum is that I know Pastor Appreciation Day, we're going to do that here in a couple of months, but I, I got to thinking about this office over here in the corner. It is literally, you know what it is? It is literally the only space in the world that Pastor Ron Bynum has had as what you would kind of say his own. He was the first user of this office, and my dad is such a loving, giving man, and he doesn't, he does, he's not a high fluting kind of guy, but I think that's what kind of hit me when I sat in that chair this morning, and if you got to know something about that chair, you got to know something. Did you realize it was in that chair that he was sitting when Trent Baker came and made an appointment with him? and asked him if he could have the fair maiden Nerissa's hand in marriage. It was where, that's where he was sitting. Did you realize it was there that he, Nerissa came and told him and said, guess what, you're going to be a papaw. It was in that room. You know, he had to sit through both of his children's weddings, waiting, you know how it is as parents marrying your children off. It was over in that office that he was sitting waiting for that moment to, to, to come around. And uh, there have been, let me tell you, if the walls of a pastor's office could talk. Oh, if the walls of a pastor's office could talk. And sometimes the weight of the world gets so heavy, but there's also an opportunity, and that is to see Jesus Christ working in people's lives and seeing the transformation. I said all that to say this. Don't forget the places where the Lord has spoken to you. I just, I just want to say that this morning. Don't forget the places where the Lord has spoken to you and don't forget the transformation that he has made in your life. Anybody thankful for the Jesus transformation? Oh, I, I want to ask that one more time. Anybody thankful for the Jesus transformation this morning? Hallelujah. And I don't want to share too much or get too ahead of myself, but there are some things going to be happening throughout the summer months that when we start announcing 
please start sharing them. Please start inviting folks to them. Please encourage them to come and be part of these events. How many know the Holy Ghost can move with a cone of snow cone? How many know the Holy Ghost can move with parties and functions and inflatables and water slides and, and there can be moments of interaction and we love doing some of the Sunday activities because people might come for the activity but they hear the unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ beforehand. I don't, I don't want to go down too far a rabbit trail, but I just want to say that throughout the COVID pandemic, I've known our pastor and other pastors who have seen and felt a quickening within their spirit to redig the old well of cultivating and going back to the power of being in the house. We have limitations in other places. We have limitations in public places. We have limitations on things we can say and we can do. But when we come into this house on our property, we can preach, we can speak in tongues, we can declare the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ in an uninhabited way. You can tell me, Pastor Micah, oh, what are people are too shy about coming to church, too nervous about coming to church. I I think it's time the church let the Holy Ghost do his job. I think it's time we let the Holy Ghost do his job and if we will allow him, he will bridge the most wide gaps. When man said this is impossible, with God all things are possible. I don't know why I feel this within my spirit. I don't know why I feel this quickening within my spirit to encourage you and exhort you this morning. But it is high time. It is high time we get in our prayer closets and we believe for souls to be saved. We believe for lives to be changed, not made better by the blood, but made new by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we want to put something in your hands through these summer months. The minute you see things on social media, can I encourage you, can I just, can I urge you to begin to invite your unchurched loved ones and your unchurched friends? I don't care. You know what I'm going to quit saying, Peggy Oliver? I'm going to quit saying, well, they're not familiar with Pentecostal worship. I'm going to quit saying, well, my church might scare them. No, I'm going to say my church might move them. My church might convict them. My church might transform them. My church might empower them. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. The last time I checked, the book of Acts was not written for a sector of worshipers. The book of Acts was written as a promise to empower and to clothe and endue the church of Jesus Christ with the dunamis power, the explosive power that breaks down every wall, oppression, and bondage that the devil tries to build. I'm not Pentecostal. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this summer, I want you to pray. 
I want you to pray and believe that the Holy Spirit is going to move and he's going to touch lives. And these things we're getting ready to do, these, this summer series we're getting ready to do, please invite your unchurched family and friends to be with us. Amen. Praise God. Do you, can you give me a big hearty amen this morning? Hallelujah. It is an honor to stand here today. I am stalling because this is a new iPad and I'm having trouble getting it turned on. Amen. I'm just going to be transparent with you this morning. Amen. Praise God. There we go. There we go. But what a wonderful time we've had here today. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, will you go with me to the Gospel of Matthew? Go with me, if you would, to the Gospel of Matthew. Praise the Lord, I got my iPad started. Somebody say amen. I'll never forget it. Oh, I'll never forget it. Narissa sent that message to the family. Lincoln did that thing. Every Pentecostal pastor's family just loves. He started, he started doing the baby preaching. You know, there's something, there's something about baby preaching. Oh, anybody know what I'm talking about? When a baby starts preaching and shouting and clapping their hands and all that kind of, I mean, it just has a special anointing to it. And Narissa had contacted the family. She said, well, Lincoln, he set himself up at the coffee table with a coloring book, his magna doodle, and he just stood there and said, God is the same. Over and over again, God is the same. So we're like, okay, the coloring book, that's his Bible. And then it hit us. That magna doodle was like his papa's iPad. Oh, praise the Lord. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. I'd like to go to some familiar scripture today. And I'd like to read two passages of scriptures that are parallel passages but different accounts. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 29. And then we're going to go to Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. We're going to start in Matthew today. It says, Matthew 7, 24, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods, floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall. Somebody say it did not fall. For it was, I like the new King James words, word here, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now I'd like for you to journey with me over to the Gospel of Luke. Go a couple books of the Bible over. The Gospel of Luke chapter 6. And we're going to read verses 46 through 49. 
it says and it reads, New King James Version, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it. Somebody say could not shake it. And could not shake it. For it was founded. Once again, there's that word. It was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. And the ruin of that house was great. Father, we thank you for the truth and the power of your word. I pray, Lord, as your messenger that you would use me and anoint me and equip me to preach your word with boldness and with clarity. And will you help me do something in the house? Can I be a son for a moment? Will you glorify God for the work he's doing in our pastor's body? Will you do that right now? Will you just take a minute and thank him? The man's already standing better. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. If there's something the Lord did not gift me with, it was an ability to work with my hands. It was an ability to fix things, and so I am one who has to call upon professionals many times to be able to work with my hands. I don't have that particular ability Amen. I don't have that for today. Amen. We'll get there one day. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We'll get there. I wasn't one who was given the, you know, the, the, the capability. I'm not, I'm not like as the kids used to watch that show, Bob the Builder. Remember Bob the Builder? Can he fix it? Can he fix it? Yes, he can. The, the ability. But there's something I have noticed in contracting is that in order to be able to build anything with any capability, with any kind of stability or any kind of a long-lasting future, you've got to first have a good understanding as to where you're going to build. Businesses, if they want to have any kind of success, before they go and build anything anywhere, they have to ask themselves the question, is there a market for my good or my service? Am I going to be able to prove to the public that I'm standing in that they need or they want the good or the service? So without having an understanding of where you are standing first and foremost, you will not have any success whatsoever in life with the great structure you are building. what I mean, what is a great structure or fortress if we literally will build it upon ground that is 
worthless. If we build it upon ground, that is worthless. I mean, we will work hard. We'll put ourselves together. It kind of reminds me of a commercial about Major League Baseball when I was a kid. And I don't know if we have any baseballers in the house, but do uh, anybody know uh, have had children that play Little League Baseball? And you got to know one of the greatest rules of Little League Baseball was how you had to dress the catcher. You had to dress, you had to dress him in shin guards, chest guards, helmet. And there was this commercial where a baseball player was helping. No, it wasn't a baseball player. It was a hockey player putting on all his gear. And the equipment guy was helping this player put on all this gear. And when they finally had finished, the hockey player goes, uh, I need to go to the bathroom. So put, go to the restroom before you have to put your gear on. If we don't understand the starting points, our journey is worthless. If you ever watch NASCAR racing, why do you think it is? They have the trials to determine where they're going to start in the lineup of cars. You know why? Because the starting place is just as important as the ending place. The starting point is just as important as the ending point. So Jesus is standing here in this Galilean region. And truth be told, this parable it was a conclusion to the greatest sermon that was ever preached on the face of the earth. It was one of the most impacting, culture-crafting sermons that had been preached on the face of the earth. It was known as we know it as the, what? the Sermon on the Mount. And so Jesus is giving this parable to this multitude of people. And in fact, it's funny how this sermon kind of worked. It's funny how it worked because if you read in Matthew's gospel, they talk about how there was, a, there was an attraction. There was an attraction. There was fame that had spread about Jesus all through the region and people were coming from all around because they were amazed by his miracles. They were witnessing miracles. They were coming to him if they needed a miracle. They were bringing folks to him that needed a miracle. But you know what Jesus was doing, truth be told? And the Bible says something that I love. I love a sentence scripture uses in the end of Matthew's gospel chapter 4 it said he began to preach the kingdom of heaven Jesus began to preach the kingdom of heaven and he began to heal the sick and he began to touch those who had oppressed minds and the Bible even says that those who were epileptic or those who were demon possessed Jesus healed and set free so what was happening was Jesus preached the kingdom and he lived the kingdom and as he lived the kingdom, he reaped the kingdom. Can I take a pause for just a second here and tell you that there is no greater evangelistic tool than people being healed in their bodies. Can I tell you right now, if you want to see the ice broken between the church and the world, begin to believe for miracles to take place.
begin to believe for bodies to be healed and blinded eyes to be opened and, and those that are lame to have the ability to walk. Uh, honey, I don't know about you, this world does need a radical move of the Holy Spirit. And I tell you how we affect the world with the radical move of the Holy Spirit and that is radical miracles. Can I get a little cliche with the church for a moment? Do we still serve a God in the miracle business? Oh, do we still serve a God in the delivering business and the healing business and the setting free people business, the, the, the deliverance business? My God, y'all about to preach me to death already early in this Sunday morning service. Oh, but let me tell you the next step. That's when the Holy Ghost begins to open the door for the truth of the gospel to begin to be preached. Because Jesus stood, people were attracted to him thinking this is a miracle worker. My goodness, if anything, this guy gives a totally awesome show and we need to go check him out and see what, what he's all about. And what happened was the door began to be open and Jesus really started hitting some hard facts. He began talking about, you know, that unpopular stuff like the sanctity of marriage, loving our enemies. He began to hit hard on things like what adultery is. It's that adultery doesn't start with an action. It starts with your eyes. All that unpopular stuff. And sometimes we look at ourselves in the year 2022 and we say, how in the world are we ever going to make an impact on this evil world, on this society that wants to embrace evil and turn their back on good. I tell you what it is, saints of God. It's when the Bible-believing, spirit-filled church will once again believe in the miraculous, radical power of Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, the things that nobody wants you to talk about, the Holy Ghost will set the stage for us to be able to do so. Amen. Praise God. He preached the kingdom of heaven. He lived the kingdom of heaven. And therefore, he reaped the kingdom of heaven. But right now, in this time, Jesus is ending this great sermon. He's ending this powerful sermon with a very well-known parable. A parable that children's books have been written about. A parable that is taught to you from nursery age through high school age in Sunday school material. And really, he's sharing something. He said, here is where the rubber meets the road. Here is where the true test comes into play. You've come to see me. You've come to witness me. And now you have heard me. But the rubber truly meets the road is when you will begin to do what I've told you. I like how Luke records it and his account says in verse 46 in chapter 6 it says but why do you call me Lord Lord and do not do the things which I say oh I want to stop here and I want to say thank Jesus thank you Jesus for being my savior oh thank you oh, man anybody glad he saved you 
Wow, my goodness. My gosh, maybe we need just to remember that. How, I mean, anybody remember what he saved you from? What he delivered you from? But the word of God does not stop at Jesus just being our Savior. The word of God goes on to say he's our Savior, then he's our what? He's our Lord. He's the one who has not just delivered our life, but he's the one who's in charge of our life. And so he's telling this crowd, saying, if you truly want to accept my lordship, it happens when you don't just hear what I say, but do what I say. Belief in the word of God does not stop when you just merely read it and take it in. Belief in the word of God is when we begin to act upon it and declare it. This was not given to us just as an educational device so that we can robotically quote it. Because there are people who live according to evil standards that can quote Genesis to the maps. But the true empowerment, the embodiment and belief of the word of God starts when you don't just hear it, but when you begin to live it and do it also. Oh, it's one thing. It's one thing to say scripture verses, but it's another thing when you begin to believe them and live them out. But let me tell you something about the word of God. It's that it's not just words on a page, but it's alive. I like what the Bible says. It's alive and it cuts down into the joints and marrow. It cuts down into the deep parts. The word of God is not just there for me to know. It's there to examine my heart. It's there to put me in the right place. Can anybody testify to the fact that you've been beat up, tied up, but then you begin to break open the word of God and declare the word of God and speak the word of God and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost begins to meet you right there where you're at. I tell you why it is because the word of God is alive. The word of God is alive. Woo! And it ain't alive like Frankenstein. It ain't walking all stiff. It ain't walking all uh, inhabited. The word of God that was preached by the apostles of old, that was declared by the prophets of old, is still just as alive here in the year 2022. It's still just as alive no matter what they do in Washington, no matter what they do in any local politics, the word of God is alive. Live by the word. I know it's not popular. And frankly, it would probably make some of our fleshly lives a whole lot easier if we just ignored the qualities and the truth that is within the pages of this book. Oh, maybe make us a little more popular. Maybe make us easier to make friends and make connections and so on and so forth. Maybe even some of us have been told because we accept it. We're not accepting and loving and we're less tolerant because we believe the word of God. But I'm reminded, let the world have whatever they want because heaven and earth will pass away but his word will never pass away. 
all the generations will come, the generations will go, people will live, people will die, history will come, history will go, presidents will rise up, presidents will turn out, presidents will pass away, great kings will rise up, great kings will die, but the truth of the word of God will never pass away. I just want to lift somebody up this morning. You keep believing the word. You keep reading the word of God. God will not fail. It will only show itself to be true. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. The truth of the word of God will not pass away. Hallelujah. Those of you teaching, those of you preaching, keep preaching the word. Keep declaring the word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Why don't you just lift up your hands for a moment? I just want to wait on the Holy Spirit for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus told the multitude in, in the Gospel of Matthew. He told them, he said, He who hears these words of mine, he who hears these words of mine and does them and acts upon them, Jesus speaks in the next sentence and makes a declaration, a blessing, and says, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Culturally, culturally, we will read this passage of Scripture as a parable. A good illustrative way of putting something, but Jesus is saying, if you will open up your ears to a deeper level, you're going to realize something, that if you will listen to these words and do them, I'm going to place a blessing upon your life and a favor upon your life that says the storm isn't going to take you down. The storm isn't going to take you down. We'll read this parable and immediately what comes to mind is the contrast between the two houses. The contrast between the house built upon the sand and the house built upon the rock. We have told this story and it's, kids need to be taught at their level. But can I be honest with you? I'm cracking myself up doing this fire-breathing preaching today, and what's going through my head is the old children's song that says, the wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built it. Am I the only one in the room who knows that? And the walls come tumbling down. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. And the walls come tumbling down. Woo! 
Oh, now, now we've kind of modernized. We've technoed that up a little bit in kid man. Because now it's there for everyone who hears these words of mine. These words of mine. Oh, yeah. Y'all singing it with me because your children probably sing it all the time at home. And I'm the one you can thank for that. Amen. I'm the man you can thank for that. But we will look at this story and we will look at the contrast between the two houses. You got the house upon the stone and the house upon the sand. The difference between you've got two contractors, each of them are building a house, one is walking in wisdom, and one, quite honestly, is just walking in flat-out stupidity. And maybe I should have preached just like a children's ministries sermon and almost did like a Tim the Toolman Taylor type illustration today. And my assistant maybe say, Pastor Micah, that house is not going to stay. Oh, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. So we'll look at the contrast of the two houses, the one that is strong and stable and the one that is built in nothing but a big old pile of instability. Oh, my gosh, I just had a Holy Ghost moment right there. Oh, my gosh. You know what? There's power in building things in the rock because the tactics that churches have tried, trying to water things down and make themselves look good, the structure looks nice, but the foundation ain't nothing but a bunch of unstable sand and when the storm comes the house is going to be taken down but we'll look at the contrast between the two houses but there's a huge similarity between both of the structures and it's this one's built in the rock one's built in the stand but they both face the storm so the question is whether or not, isn't whether or not the storm has come. And the question is, are you ready for the storm? Are you ready for the storm? Because Jesus said right there in his promise, he says, when the attacks come your way, you're going to stand firm and you're going to stand so strong. And when the winds come and the rains fall, that house is going to stay put because you've decided to build it in the rock. Mm. Oh, but let me tell you something about the rock foundation houses. Is there's a process in getting your house in the rock. You know why some in that day would decide to build their house on the sand? Because it was already excavated. You were already able to go ahead and build your house. You didn't have to take the process of building the foundation. I'll never forget when we first started building the very building we're in today. My dad, Pastor Ron L. Bynum, Dr. OCD. He's not Mr. OCD. He's Dr. OCD. And let me tell you something that he did, John. He walked around the parameters. The 7,500 square foot foundation on a daily basis. Miss Smith, you'd probably do the same thing. I know you would. And he looked at those footers. Am I right? Amen. He looked at those footers. They pulled, they poured the footers. And when they uncovered those, he looked at every single footer around the parameter of that foundation. Then finally he got to one right over there in that corner. I love you, Dad, if you're watching. 
and he found what he was looking for, he was concerned with. He found a crack in the footer. I mean, that was one of the first things they did to this structure was pour those footers. And you know what his words were? He said, I just don't want us to have any problems in the future. He walked to that contract. He said, I think we need to do something with that footer. See, it's a process to look at the foundation and to get the foundation ready. It's a process to go through the phase of scraping off. That's what they would have to do. They would have to clear away called up debris and sand and other particles that the water had washed up onto the rock. See, what was happening there is that they were getting rid of the layers so they could build on the foundation they needed to build on. Doesn't that sound like Jesus? Doesn't that sound like Jesus? He gets a hold of the layers of our heart and he begins to pull them away and push them away. And it's like our heart goes through an excavation process. But what's happening is he's getting the foundation ready to where we're no longer in the foundation, but he's the foundation. The storm is going to come. It's not a question as to whether or not the storm is going to come. It's the question is whether or not we're going to be able to withstand it. And let me tell you something. You may, storms, I mean, it's like they represent a dilemma and a circumstance in life. You know why? Because they're multifaceted. Because not only do we have to be concerned about the strong winds that blow the structure over, but we have to say, have to be concerned of the hard falling rain. See, that region would stay dry for a very long time. Then it was like, bam! All of a sudden, they would get inundated with such a high amount of rain that the channels that sat dry for the longest periods of time were overfilled with water. Quite honestly, the storms and the waters... They came out of nowhere. I don't know about you, but I don't want to crumble because attacks are going to come and they're liable to come out from nowhere. I want to be ready for the storm. I want to be ready for the storm so the world can see the devil tried to blow me over, but I got a foundation he can't even touch. I'm built in a place that's going to stand strong and stable in the midst of the storm. Can anybody testify to that this morning? Can anybody testify to the fact that, yeah, I can declare the storm is coming, but I'm going to be ready for the storm. I'm going to be built upon the rock-solid foundation known as Jesus Christ. i got to go through a process and be excavated and moved away and shoved away. But the storm is not going to take me down. Hallelujah. 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 Some of y'all can testify this morning as you're standing to your feet. And the, if the praise team would come, if we could all stand to our feet together. All some of us, we, we can testify this morning. We've gone through some storms and the shingles got tore up a little bit. We lost some siding. 
The screen door even popped off. But the structure stayed together. Why? Because we're built in the rock. Oh, hallelujah. 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 We're built upon the rock. We're built upon the rock. And what should have been our life sin and our destruction was our testimony. What should have taken us down and destroyed us just, Vicky, it became a testimony. Oh my goodness. From every direction, you, you, you ever notice that? You, you ever been in a storm and you're laying there and it's like you think, oh goodness, it's finally over. And then all of a sudden, here comes another round. Storms have that kind of effect because we, we, we know about hills around here, don't we, guys? We know about hills. Some of you here throughout this, God bless you, throughout this warm season, you'll deal with the effects of the storm, then you'll wake up the next morning and realize you've got to take what we call here in Appalachia the flood route. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about, the flood route? We're going to get here, but we got to take the flood route. Oh, God bless you for it. See, there's, there's, there's a wisdom that the Holy Spirit gives if we will act upon the words of Jesus. What are some of the wisdoms you got to have in the midst of the storm? I'll never forget it. My dad put the fear of God in me when I first got my license. He told me, if you see standing water, don't even try to drive through it. You turn around and you run away from it. If the wind begins to blow hard, you're not going to stand and look out the window and just watch a twister tornado go by. No, you, you, you run it for cover. It's wisdom. And that's what God wants to give this morning. He wants to give wisdom in the midst of turbulence. And it starts by having a foundation in the rock. Oh, the rock solid foundation that cannot be destroyed. Oh, yes. Yes, God. Can we just lift up our hands and praise him for just a moment? Oh, can we just wait on God for a moment, saints? Hotamakataye. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And not only does he keep us strong in the storm, you want to know something about Jesus? He's the storm calmer. <laughs> you're not just praising the one keeping you strong. You're, you're praising the storm calmer this morning. Come on, lift up those hands. Open your mouths and just begin to worship him.